Hello? Oh, sorry, Cam. I got to go to work. Hi, I'm Cam, holistic health coach, mom to two humans and four pets. Hi, I'm Amelia, laboratory scientist by day and food scientist by night. Welcome to our show. Join us as we share our holistic approach to life after 50. You can expect real life stories with a dash of humor and a ton of truth. If it happens in midlife, we're going to talk about it. So hit that subscribe button and follow along. We're the Midlife Mamas. Hi, Amelia. What's going on? Are you too busy to talk? <laughs> it feels that way. I swear, Cam, some weeks are so busy with work projects and people calling left and right. I don't even know which end is up. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about what does work mean in midlife? And like, do we have biases from how we grew up or our society? And we're just going to talk about work in midlife. I'm excited. Me too, Cam. And it seems like every episode I reference my job change, which has now been shocker like 15 months ago. But as I watch women in my current environment and I reflect on women in past work environments and even my friends, I'm fascinated with how women approach work and how that role plays a part in how they see themselves. Yeah. Do you define yourself by the work that you do? Just curious. Yeah. I mean, I got to be honest. Yes, because I'm a number three. I'm a performer. And so <laughs> honestly, yes. So, you know, it was much easier, I think, to relate to as a parent when you define yourself as the job you're doing as a mother. But now that my kids are gone, the jobs that are left are being a friend, being a wife, which I've done my whole life, and then my actual job that creates income. So I, I'm not necessarily think that's the best route, but yeah, I do think that part of my self-identity is the work that I do. I think that's very common. You mentioned about kids and being an empty nester. And I know we've talked about um, our athletic backgrounds as being our part of our identity. And I definitely identified as a CrossFitter for many years of my 40s. But you know, you're right. When the kids leave, what's left? Like you're still a mom, but your mom role has definitely changed. So being a wife, being a friend, and then your job, <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> right. And you know, Cam, I have worked since my children were very small. I only took a very short maternity leave with both. Well, I say short. I think I actually took the full amount, which at the time was maybe 12 weeks, but I never didn't work. I have friends who stopped their career jobs and didn't go back at all or for a number of years. But I was always in the workforce at in a career job, in, in something. And I, I define that not only by the passion that I felt for it, but I actually spent a lot of time being educated to perform that job. And so for me, it's just, it's been a part of my life for 32 years. And mm -hmm. so, you know, when you have to, to go to a place um, and perform a duty and you get paid for that, it kind of, it's hard when you spend 40, at least 40 hours a week doing that, not to define yourself as part of that. Does that make uh, sense? Oh, totally. I'm going back to my childhood days. I was probably four or five, uh, maybe younger. And I remember getting a chalkboard from Santa. <laughs> my mom had very distinct handwriting and she wrote, Merry Christmas, Love Santa or something. I'm like, that's my mom's handwriting. Anyway, that's another story. But from the, from the beginning, I've always wanted to be a teacher. Like, 
when you get your first chalkboard for Christmas. And then I did spend a lot of time in the classroom, but then my classroom changed to the gym. And now my classroom is online, (laughs) helping midlife women. So it's funny. It's like the theme. It just keeps reoccurring. And so I would say your theme is in the science world. Is yeah, that true? For sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I too like to teach, but obviously in a different forum. But mm-hmm. that's really cool that you found something that you're passionate about and you're good at. So I think, you know, I love that. And I hope that the people listening and our friends have done the same, that they're able to, you know, be doing what they love um, instead of what they're forced to do. Yeah. So would you say all of your career choices all had that science theme running through? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Cam, um, I have this conversation a lot with friends and with my uh, daughters or with friends who have children that are in college. I chose my career when I was 17, when I was a senior Mm -hmm. in high school. And most people say uh, when they're talking about their children's choices, they're like, oh, you know, they shouldn't have to declare a major so early because you can't know. And I think that is uh, subjective because I made that choice and I don't regret it. Um, Occasionally I wish I had gone to medical school because I'm smart enough to do it, but I didn't know that then and I didn't have the confidence to do it. So I think definitely I'm very pleased with my career path and everything I've done has been a natural progression. It, very interesting. So we have in our notes here about self-employment versus working for someone else versus entrepreneurship. So where would you say you fall? Where are you in that category? In those categories? I, I am definitely working for someone else and I always have. And it's so interesting. And I, and I want to hear your perspective, but I had lunch with a lady today who I met via social media. She's a, she's a loyal listener to the podcast. She's local to my area. She's self-employed. And she, we talked about this subject and she said, I just hate when people tell me what to do. And it was, we joked about it, but I think there are certain personalities that are very um, kind of not conditioned to, but certainly suited for entrepreneurship and or self-employment. And we'll get into that difference because of that. And I applaud people that know that I'm not one of those people. I'm very, um, I'm very self-directed, but I'm very process oriented, not necessarily big picture oriented. So you give me a, a desired outcome and I can create the process to get there. And I don't mind being told what that outcome should be. Gotcha. So I'm I'm like your friend that you had lunch with. I didn't like having 10 minutes seat lunch in elementary school or telling me when I can go to the bathroom or not. <laughs> I just didn't really enjoy that. And I love the process of teaching, but I did not enjoy the, the constrictions. Or if I wanted to travel, I couldn't because my responsibilities were to the kids in the classroom. So I felt very constrained. So I reinvented myself <laughs> in teaching um, in the gym. So I had more freedom with my time. And then also so now I'm I'm my own boss. <laughs> so I Which get to is choose. Way cool. Yeah, it's yeah. So I, I would like to say that entrepreneurship is more of a soul calling, I would say. It's something beyond yourself. It's like your mission in life. It's your calling in the world. It's what you're supposed to bring to the table. So I feel like that is what entrepreneurship is. And like learning business and marketing and all the things I've learned over the past three years. That was not what I learned at IU. I learned how to be a teacher at IU. And so I've expanded myself and I love learning. I love learning about myself and I love learning new things. So that part, you know, learning about business scratches that itch, if you will. (laughs) 
Absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about the difference between self-employment and entrepreneurship, I love this soul calling thing because I have friends um, that have done various forms of, quote, self-employment, more self-directed. They actually have an employer, um, but like pharmaceutical sales or things like that, or even the salespeople that I support, their str- the structure of their day is somewhat directed by their own you know, whatever they want to do. But um, entrepreneurship is having to me, and I I guess I don't really know what I'm talking about because I've not done it per se, is really that passion that you have. So for instance, my, my husband has dual streams of income. So he sells insurance, he does life insurance and, and small health a small group health, which pays bills and it's fine. And he does believe in the product, but his sole calling is a uh, solar system. So he installs residential and some um, commercial solar p- systems and he's very passionate about renewable energy. So it's almost like he's found a way to do both. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty cool as well, because I don't know that he defined it in the way we're describing it, but it seems to work for him. That's, that's fascinating. Very good. Yeah. So it's interesting having your own business. There's no rules. Like you're in, literally in charge of it. My business coach, his program is called Business by Design. And so I get to choose what my business looks like by design. And it, there's so much freedom in that, but there's also a lot of like unknowns. And so our last episode was all about fear or recent episode, I should say. And boy, there can be a lot of fear and you can get really stuck and you're just, you know, you just have to take a chance and say, okay, let's, let's figure this out. How do we figure this out. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really important if you're a person that wants to take that dip that you understand what you're fearful of and why, because that could be um, almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of, quote, failure if if mm-hmm. you allow the fear to constrain you to the point of inaction. So, you know, I'm very comfortable with the amount of freedom I have with my job because it's not nearly as, as constrained or restricted as what you experienced in the classroom. I have a fair amount of autonomy in my work. In fact, I have a ton of it. Um, it it's just kind of that framework that's set for me. It's not mm-hmm. really the, the day-to-day task or even certainly not the the minute by minute you have to be here at this time and, and <laughs> yeah. somewhere else but and you know i think in midlife this attitude may change somewhat as we grow into our our authentic selves mm-hmm. um w- do you think that your attitude towards leaving the classroom and uh starting your business was influenced by where you were in your growth journey or you think it would have happened no matter what I think it would have happened no matter what, but the catalyst was definitely um, marriage trouble and like turbulence at home. And I'm like, I've, I'm going to quit my job and figure out my home life. And so during that separation and divorce of my first marriage was at the end of my teaching career. So it all kind of coincided. And, you know, honestly, I was a Catholic school teacher for many of my 18 years and the salary just wasn't significant right. to our family. In fact, I told Amelia before we hit record, I think my 10th year at my school, my private school, I reached my first year of public school when I taught in St. Louis. And I was like, oh, that that kind of stung a little bit. (laughs) I'm like, it took me 10 years to get where I started as a new graduate from IU. What? (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, that just kind of hurts my heart because I special I I think from what I've experienced talking to other women is we do 
put value on our work based on that salary or that paycheck, which is fair because an employer is actually, a, a an employer has said, if you work for someone, this is how much I value this position because this is what you're getting paid. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I think we as women assign our own value based on that. And if it's a lot less than your spouse or your sister or your best friend, it's very easy for your ego and your self-worth to take a hit because your paycheck isn't large. And I know that my college friends for decades, you know, I was the lowest wage earner amongst the group. And I was a little bit embarrassed because I view myself as intelligent and I graduated the same as they did, but I wasn't in a position to earn a bunch of money, but Mm -hmm. I really liked the work I did. So that was a really kind of difficult time. I, I get it. And I guess I just was on autopilot until the 10th year. And I was like, what? happened. 10th year at that that particular school. I taught in St. Louis for a few years in the public school before I moved. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, what does that mean? Do we not value education? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I really think that's a real question. So getting the value out of what you do, and it's really interesting with the amount of flexibility I have uh, with my current job, my days don't all look the same. I don't mm-hmm. quote clock in at the same time or out. Um, like today, I work from home and I got a haircut at 1030 in the morning because that's when my hairstylist was available. So it looks very different. And I've had to work myself into the idea. I work when I need to work. And that might be uh, on Sunday evening to get ready for Monday. But, you know, I might like today take time out to do other things. So I I think that we have to find that driving force and motivation to work uh, when we need to do it without someone pushing us. At least that's my theory. Yeah. And that leads to this question. How do you set boundaries around work? Like on the days that you're working at home, do you have strict boundaries or the days that you're in the office? When you come home, like I'm guessing after the drive, you're just done. That's it. I'm done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. Like, um, so I, we're, our company is global. So I will receive communication at all hours of the day and night. But if I've been in the office all day, when I hit my back door, I definitely don't look at my phone. And my coworkers have been very frank about that when I started. They said, you have to set boundaries because we're global, you know, turn your phone off, leave it somewhere where you can't see it. And even on the weekends. So definitely. But if I'm working from home, I'm really good. Like I have a home office and I set it up. And when I start work, I'll get up to refill a coffee cup. But I'm not one of those people that drifts away from the desk and does the laundry and cleans up the kitchen. And (laughs) no, like I'm when my husband comes home, like to change cars or clothes or get a tool, he'll look at me and say hi, but he knows better than to try to like plop down the conversation because I'm like checked out like no I'm at work go away <laughs> that's so interesting so I'm the other person I'm gonna do the laundry and do the dishes <laughs> so I treat my work in like chunks of time I love chunking things together whether it be errands or work and so when I'm in the work mode I like treat it as an intensity workout <laughs> and I like get focused and do it but then I also have more balance like and I'll do start dinner or change the laundry or whatever it is, you know, but I don't have Monday through Friday. I'm Monday through Sunday. (laughs) Exactly. So I learned quickly that I have to make boundaries for myself. And I'm very like, um, I, I don't like routines per se. I wouldn't say I'm a routine person, but I'm very good at setting boundaries for myself. I'm, uh, I don't know. So anyway, I've learned that over the last few years that I have to. (laughs) Yeah. I want to ask a question about your Mm -hmm. energy. So when you set 
your work, do you actually, like, just say you wake up early and you've gotten a great night's sleep. Do you actually start work earlier, like maybe six or six 30 in the morning? If that's, if you're feeling like, yeah, I feel great and I'm going to start work now. Or are you, do you, um, you know, wait until it's like a normal work time? No, I start when I'm ready. And so it changes every day. And so sometimes it's, it's as simply as getting my coffee and this isn't the greatest habit, but checking social media, responding to comments, responding to emails. So that's what I tend to do first. And then I put me on the list. So that might be a workout or that might be, um, some stretching in the sauna or something that comes next. Or it doesn't happen. That's what I've noticed. That gotcha. I work. I'm more. I don't know. Awake, <laughs> more thoughtful, more everything in the morning. Like I would say until like one. So morning till one p.m. I'm sharp, and so I need to take advantage of that work. And I'm sure it has to do with cortisol and hormones and all the things. Yeah, but for sure, yeah. And then I tend to uh, wind down in the afternoon. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I my schedule or my wake up and, and beginning is very similar to yours. And on days, well, actually, it doesn't matter. Sometimes if I've finished my devotional and I have some more time before I need to get ready for work, I will check my work phone, which also has email and so forth. And I've responded to to my boss, like a group message before seven. And he's always like, what are you doing working? And I'm thinking, I said, you know, I'm so sharp between 6 a.m. And like you said, probably one. And it's not that I completely, I'm not like, you know, the wind up toy that completely falls over at one o'clock. I can (laughs) feel my mental acuity slowing. So I try not to do concentrated work after two. And then a lot of times it's, it's anything that's just like, uh, filling in a spreadsheet with numbers or, or, or whatever, or, uh, filling out forms or something that doesn't take a lot of mental power. So that's how I chunk mine. It's just a Mm -hmm. little bit different just because I, I do work a standard Monday through Friday schedule. I would say, I would like to say that our kids, I'm going to speak of my daughter, they have very strict boundaries around work. They would never, ever dream of taking work home with them. That's how I view the like the millennial generation. I think we're different. If there's something that needs to be done, I mean, I remember when I was a teacher, I would stay on Friday afternoons until 5 p.m. to make sure everything was right, you know, ready to go Monday morning. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I just don't know if they would do that. (laughs) I I think you're right. And I think the converse is also true that they are more comfortable taking time during the day if they need to take the dog to the vet, or at least my children are. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. If they, you know, they, there's no guilt there. If they have personal business that interferes, they do actually do it um, without, without guilt, still knowing that there's work to be done. Um, and, and my daughter's company, they don't have a pay time off policy. It's you do the job and you get paid for the job. So let us know when you're not going to be in. So, um, she lives in Vermont. And so a whole bunch of people from the company went skiing this week. So Mm -hmm. everyone arranged their schedule. So like, 20 people could go to the mountain, which I thought was really cool that they did that. That's almost like a work bonding experience to me. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really cool. So you're the second person today that talked about companies giving up paid time off. What is going on? Do you have paid time off? (laughs) I do. And I, Uh but I think, 
I think that policy, the first time I heard it was a was a contemporary, a, a friend of mine. And I was like, that's super brave. But I do think that that is a very progressive attitude, because if you look at people with if you're the type Y manager that we used to call where that's generally trusting of people and generally thinks that people want to do a good job, I think it's a great way to show that trust. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it requires that the employer operate on a, a skills and or work product framework. So, you know, you're evaluating the employee, not on how much time they spend at the office, but the work they do. Is it up to standards? And I think that's really cool. Um, You know, I I think when you're the ex-manager, the micromanager, where everything has to be a certain way and the manager dictates or the company dictates that, it creates, it makes people feel flaky. And so they're, those are the people, in my opinion, who are more likely to shirk work or try to get around it. So I think it's awesome. I love the no PTO policy, the, the, just the idea of you have a job, this is it, do it. And this is the money you're going to get paid for it. Right. Uh, very interesting. Yeah. Second time this has come up today. So when things pop up, I'm like, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. In this, yeah. In, in this particular situation, um, they're being overworked. And so a job is being bid and then they're doing the ah. actual work. And so they are going back to renegotiate the contract and they're like, hey, this is really taking 50 hours and you only budgeted 25 hours or whatever gotcha. it is. And so there's a big conflict between the sales force and the actual the scientists that are doing the work. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. And I get it because they want to sell the contract, but is it fair to your co-employees? No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> but you know, uh, kind of going back to what you said about millennials, I had a co-worker up until very recently who was a millennial and she was very clear about her boundaries. She was very, very sharp and knew. I mean, it took me, especially when we talk about some like apps, um, it took her half the amount of time to get some things done that it would me because I was learning things, you know, some of these these uh, digital stuff that we did in the digital space. But, you know, she was very clear, like um, our work at home policy is you must be in the office three days a week. And, you know, she was fine with that. But her thing is, if I have to be at work at X time, don't expect me to take a call or a conference, you know, a meeting virtually earlier. If you're if if this is a hard and fast rule, then I'm not going, you know, you don't get to have it both ways. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. I applauded her like I've really, if not adopted that attitude wholeheartedly, I've certainly softened the view of what, you know, what I um, willingly did for the company outside of the normal work day. So it's more than just clocking in, clocking out. Yeah, it's more absolutely. than just nine to five. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. So from your point of view, has that been able, have you been able to adjust to that? Because we grew up with the checklist. You went to college, you did this, mm-hmm. you did this, and then you did that. And then you got a job and you stayed there forever. <laughs> and like, you know, so how has it been flexibility wise for you? Uh, it's been a definitely a learned process. It's probably only been in the last three months that I feel like I have earned the right to embrace this because now my work ethic is evident. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, I think this coworker, she was like, you hired me, you knew what my credentials were. This was the policy. I'm adhering to the policy. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I'm not saying that as, as a derogatory comment, but for me, it's more like, okay, these people don't know me despite the fact that they've seen my resume. I've got to earn their trust mm-hmm. because in any relationship, I think there is a testing period. 
Um, and so now I feel like I've earned that trust. And if I, if like, for instance, my boss called me today when I was on my way home from the haircut and he was like, Hey, I was like, Hey, what's up? He said, um, well, just call me when you get home. And I was like, okay. He didn't say why, you know, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> why are you not there? Like I could have just not answered the call, mm-hmm. uh, but I was like, oh yeah, I just got my haircut. And he didn't even blink. Like it was fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say our vice president who is a bit older than we are, Cam, and she's a little bit of that checkbox person. She would yep. prefer the company to have a more strict policy on attendance so that she could see us because for her visual, having eyes on us is like saying, okay, they're here, they're working. When mm-hmm. you and I both know that's not always true. Like no. I've worked with a ton of people in places where they just played all day long. I'm like, how, <laughs> like, how do you still have a job? Like, I don't understand. So our our toes are curling up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, that's funny. Do you think you have a different work? Do you work differently than like your spouse or other male colleagues? Do you think there's a gender difference when it comes to work? I do. And I kind of already told you about my husband. My husband has never worked. He's never had to punch a clock. Like I can't tell you how many jobs I've had where I literally punched a clock. So I do think it's different for him based on his work experience. But in general, I do think, especially once you get into any sort of managerial or um, like executive place, I've observed women behaving very differently than men. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I don't I don't really have much to add to that other than growing up with my father. So we moved eight times when I was a kid. So I moved a lot. Um, and it was always chasing the next position in a big corporation that was international. So that sort of thing. And it was always like, well, this will be the job. Well, this will be the position that will lead me to wherever. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think women would do that to their family. (laughs) They would just stay where they are and not move everyone across the country eight times. (laughs) Yeah, I don't disagree with you, Cam. I think it is becoming more acceptable, though. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I, I do think that 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 women in higher powered positions are taking on that breadwinner characteristic and maybe the the dads or spouses are more of the followers. For instance, I know two people and the dad's the stay at home parent. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I know anyone like that. That's awesome. I love that. Like we get to define who we are and what how we do our family. <laughs> yeah, it is very cool. And I do think that women in general, the few that I know in um, directorships or vice presidentships or this executive level leadership, if their behavior and the kind of offhand comments they've made in a women only circle are they do feel like they've had to work harder than their male counterparts to get where mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. I was going to yeah. say, so there's discrepancies as far as gender goes um, in the workforce, you would say you've observed that. Uh, yeah, I definitely have. Mm-hmm. I definitely have seen differences now, whether they're real and this, or it's just these women's perceptions. That's the part I don't know. Right. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So work in midlife has a lot of different definitions, whether you're self-employed or you're working for somebody else or you're out there doing your own thing and you're an entrepreneur. You know, it all has a place. And it's interesting because I feel like our job definitely is part of who we are as women, you know, as a role for sure. But also, it's just a chance to learn more about yourself. And I really believe that midlife is all about self-discovery and self-awareness and like this rebirth, if you will. 
Totally. And if you haven't really thought about how your work, whether you're, you've been a stay at home mom, or you have, you're a teacher, or you're an executive, look at how that affects the other roles in your life and make sure you're living life to the fullest. Thanks for listening today. You can find us on Instagram at midlife.mamas. For all of our other contact info, check out the show description below, and we will talk to you next week.